Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. I'm your host, John Zell Anderson, licensed professional counselor. I'm the owner of Panoramic Counseling, where I specialize in treating teens and young adults in Richmond, Virginia, and throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia through online counseling. Let's get into the show. All right, everyone. Well, today is actually the finale episode of the first season of this podcast, and I'm excited to do an interview with my guest, Tiffany Young. We're going to be talking about the topic of mental health and how it intersects with faith. I've actually met her through podcasting, so she has her own podcast, Truth Talks with Tiff, um, and she's actually talked about her faith and also her mental health on her podcast, uh, which I thought would make her a great person to interview for today's topic. So, Tiffany, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm so thankful to be asked by John Zell to be a part of this episode and he is has been awesome to connect with and he has so much wisdom to share and i'm tiffany of truth talks with tiff um i'm also an educator so i um teach the little ones and i just decided to do this podcast as pretty much like a a therapeutic thing to get everything that's on my mind out and if it helps somebody that's great too Awesome. As we kind of dive into this topic for today, I wanted to share a little bit of a background on kind of why this topic is relevant to me. So like Tiffany, my faith is in Jesus. And throughout my adulthood, you know, I also live with the anxiety disorder. So living with, you know, mental health challenges and also being a person of faith, it's definitely uh, intersected a lot of times. And so uh, there have been times where uh, I remember when I was in college, the worst of my anxiety where I was having upwards to like 10 panic attacks a day. I was attending a church and the pastor at the time, I don't know, you know, sometimes a, a pastor will give like a message and you're wondering, like, did somebody tell them about what's going on in my life or whatever? Yes. But he was on, he was preaching about something, but he goes off on this tangent about people who take mental health medication. I guess he was um, saying like, oh, well, you know, people don't have enough faith. That's why we believe that we have anxiety and depression and uh and i remember i'll never forget it he says you know people have to take a pill to wake up in the morning and they have to take a pill to go to sleep at night mind you in the midst of you know dealing with the worst of my anxiety that it 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 was it caught me off guard and you know someone might respond to that in one of two ways they might be like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about you know this is a real thing that I'm dealing with, or they might go the the faith route and be like, well, maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe I should stop taking uh, my medications and things like that. Okay. So at that time, and this is just a aside, if you're prescribed 
psychotropic medication for any mental health um, condition, never stop taking your medication without speaking to your doctor first. But back to what I did at the time. I stopped taking my medication after that sermon, um, thinking that it was a faith thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went probably a couple years after that just dealing with anxiety and panic attacks without the medication to help because of what that uh, pastor had said. And so that was one instance, like obviously the, the rationale for this could be vast, but, you know, I said that both of us are Christians, right? This topic, this conversation is going to be universal to anybody. It doesn't matter what your your faith background is. Um, but for me in particular, in addition to that one instance, I'm, I'm saying all of that to say that this isn't a talk about how faith fixes mental health. For example, in counseling school, um, uh, when I was in graduate school, they teach you that to help somebody dealing with issues, doesn't matter what they are, you can't just approach it from one angle. So every person is a physical being, so like a biological perspective, then there are an emotional, psychological part to them, right? So we've got the, the body, the mind, and then we have the social component, so that's their relationships. So if you're keeping track, that's body, mind, relationships. And then if it's applicable to a person, spiritual is that fourth component. So this is called the biopsychosocial, spiritual, holistic approach to mental health. I listened to the episode of your podcast, I don't remember the title, but um, you did a skit as you were talking about faith and mental health. And one of the quotes that jumped out at me was um, the saying that a lot of people might give is that you don't need counseling, you just need Jesus. Can you elaborate Mm -hmm. a little bit on that? Sure. And um, with that episode, it was like mental health, because so many that are in the church, I won't say all, but a lot of that, a lot of people that are in the church, they tend to like try to cover it up. They Mm -hmm. don't really want to talk too much about it. They want to shy away from it. And I really pulled on that experience when I used Aunt Pearl. Um, Mm -hmm. One of my great aunts, she was a pastor and she was all about faith and then if it comes to that point, then we'll deal with, you know, going to a doctor or professional for help. Mm-hmm. Like it was to the point where she had cancer really bad and she never went to the doctor wow. until it was too late. Like when she went to the doctor, they just told us they were like, there's literally nothing we can do. Like the cancer mm-hmm. had metastasized all through her bodies, like her organs. It was in her bones. It was everywhere. Wow. And they said, we, all we can do is make her comfortable. So take her, home we'll have hospice come in and that's all we can do mm-hmm. but that's literally how she lived her life it was just like i'm just gonna pray i'm gonna have faith and god is gonna heal me mm-hmm. and when any of us would bring up like you know doctors or anything she would always tell us well your faith isn't strong enough she would tell mm-hmm. us you know you know the scripture um faith the size of a mustard seed mm-hmm. 
She's like, you don't, you all don't even have faith the size of the mustard seed. It's, it's sad to see. And we would, t- we would tell her we do have faith, mm-hmm. but you have to realize you can't put God in a box. Mm-hmm. He can use people to help us. Yeah. He's given people gifts and talents for a reason, the mm-hmm. ability to learn these things for a reason so they can help other people. You can't expect God just to do it a certain way. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, she never got that. Yeah. Saying that's where I um, drew on that Aunt Pearl moment of you don't need the metal the um, medical professionals, the mental health professionals, you just need Jesus mm-hmm. because too many people unfortunately fall into that belief. Yeah, so you were kind of doing like a caricature of that one-sided approach of, oh, this is the one solution. Yes, yes. And so that kind of goes back to what I was talking about, that biopsychosocial spiritual approach. So if we're going holistically, mm-hmm. your great aunt, um, out of those four parts, only focused on the spiritual, spiritual, leaving out the biological, physical, and the... I, I mean, I guess a lot of the emotional, too, can be passed on to the spiritual. And then socially, she kind of distanced herself as well with, you know, loved ones around her saying, you know, maybe you should go to the doc. And it was all shut down in the interest of the spirit. Like you said, you can't put God in a box. But yeah. also efficiency wise, I mean, they're he gave us our physical being and or they I should say depending on your faith background created us to have our physical being our emotional being our relationships and for those who practice a faith the spiritual component the physical is very well treated by professionals such as doctors and same thing with you know the psychological or emotional kind of going back to your skit there about, you know, you don't need counseling, you just need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, your faith, it's something that can help. But there's also professionals that are basically doctors of the mind. So there's exactly. your therapist, your psychiatrist, your, um, you know, group counselors, marriage and family therapy. I think that if we're looking at that biopsychosocial spiritual as a um, kind of like four-legged chair or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you are going to sit in a chair and you're only using one of the legs, what's going to happen? Wow. It's going to break, you're going to fall. So mm-hmm. you have to be trying to tap into as many of those legs as you can to kind of keep things afloat. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Made a, a really good point there with the chair analogy everyone wants to focus on that one part but they don't realize there's a greater picture Mm -hmm. and when you put it that way and like you can really see that just standing on this one part it's unbalanced Mm -hmm. yes it's kind of like that saying of putting all your eggs in one basket exactly so in your episode you had talked about how you saw your mom go to therapy when you were young Um, so how did that experience uh share a little bit more with the listeners about what that was like and then talk about how it kind of shaped your view of mental health services from a young age okay so my mom she went to uh therapy and she didn't hide it from me 
So I knew that she was going to a person that was helping her with her emotions. So she was going to the person to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would sit outside of her appointments because, like, she didn't have a babysitter for me or something. So I would go with her and she would go in and be like, I'm going to talk to the lady to so she can help me with some of my emotions, some things that I have to figure out. And I was like, OK, it was normal for me because my mom, she was a social worker. So she mm. was very, like, open with me. Like, she didn't like to hide anything from me. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that she didn't because that normalized the experience of going to therapy and, mm-hmm. and going to a mental health professional. Definitely. Especially later on when I needed to go myself. Yes. That's a great point that you make there about normalizing. So, and you know, this podcast has a special focus on people of color and we've covered it a few, or I've covered it a few times during this first season of mm-hmm. how communities of color don't always embrace mental health services like our majority counterparts do and you're black um and your your mom saying it's okay to go to counseling it's okay to talk to someone about your emotions um that's really important not only for the child to understand what's going on in that time but later on inevitably we all go through something it makes it not something to be scared of. Your great aunt's response to seeing doctors, right? Mm-hmm, well, yeah. imagine there's a small kid around who's really close with, you know, great aunt. And, you know, she's saying, well, I'm not going to any doctors or this and that. It, as a young child, you know, not knowing better, they may think, oh, well, bad things happen when you go to the doctor. And that exactly. might shape their, you know... um willingness to you know go in for their annual checkups and do things to make themselves you know to make sure that they're healthy so that normalizing especially for children um and i work with a lot of teenagers and college students i guess i i'm very like transparent with my clients so in the initial call i'll say yeah, I live with an anxiety disorder, so it's my specialty. Like, when they're saying, like, oh, yeah, I've been having some panic attacks or anxiety, and I let them know, hey, I'm a therapist because I went through and continue to live with anxiety. So don't feel like you're alone in that. Um, so normalizing is so powerful. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. Because definitely, because, um, like, after she passed and then I, I went to therapy, too, Mm -hmm. If she had normalized it for me and also my grandparents who raised me, I might, I might've had a different experience and I might not have gone to therapy when I really needed it. Yeah. So share a little bit more about how counseling became part of your life. I think you said at age eight, because your mom battled with cancer. Yes. So she set me down and asked me, she said, you know how I go to therapy? Well, she didn't say it like that, but she said, you know how I go to talk to somebody? Would you mm-hmm. like to go talk to somebody and tell them some things that you may not feel comfortable with speaking to mommy about? So I was like, oh, okay. And we went and basically with what I remember, because it was so long ago, I just remember like um, my therapist had like dolls, like doing like role play stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I do remember that. And then like she had like um, a chart with faces on it. And mm-hmm. like she would the tell me to chart. support to point to like which way I was feeling and mm-hmm. stuff like that. 
and I, I enjoyed going and like, I didn't realize it was actually helping me express myself then. But now I realize now that how much it helped me express my feelings without me even realizing it. Good. So that definitely was a good introduction to therapy because mm -hmm. it really didn't feel like it was something like uncomfortable because that's what people are afraid of that therapy is going to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But for me at that age, it, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It's And I think part of it was because my mom made it a normal thing. Definitely. And what just came to mind as you were sharing about that, yeah. and as we think of like our bigger topic of today of like faith intersecting with mental health, just like uh, going to therapy is something that with practice over time, it starts to have benefits, like it, it starts to help us in different areas of life. Yes. Same thing can be said about faith, right? So having a connection to a higher power or a worldview um, is mm -hmm. kind of another support on that, you know, four legged chair that and it's not saying, well, I need to choose going to therapy or religion, you can do both. Exactly. Um, so exactly. Yes. And, and like, for some believers, um, I'm not going to say all, but for some believers, it's like you're doubting God mm -hmm. when you seek outside help. It's like you're doubting God's ability to do the work. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. That's That was what my great aunt really struggled with was just realizing that she could go to the doctor and still believe that God could heal her. Mm -hmm. Thinking from my worldview and my faith background, the the God that I know wouldn't want a person to suffer the, the you know, full-blown, like, advanced stages of cancer if there were things that could have been done along the way to treat, mm -hmm. alleviate, possibly prevent it from getting that far or um, to increase quality of life while going through that. I think focusing just on, oh, I must show faith in this moment, that may have some benefits, but you're mm -hmm. also neglecting other options that are available to you. That exactly. if you're looking at it through your worldview, um, whoever, what, whatever creator you worship or believe in or the universe or whatever um, has put, you know, given people talents and gifts to be able to serve other people. Um, exactly. So you're just kind of like yes. bypassing all of those gifts to focus on like a very specific like idea of faith. And it actually, I, I mean, it's safe to say in her case, it resulted in a lot of unnecessary suffering. It really did. It did. Because I mean, at the end, it was it was so bad. Like, they had to like go into the house and lift her up mm. to take her because like she didn't want to go she still didn't want to go she was saying that oh she would get better it was nothing wrong mm. so definitely she until the end she held on to it yeah yes mm -hmm. we got to think too of you know i talked about the social relationship leg right it impacted mm -hmm. her relationships because it, it wasn't just her going through that. All of her family and friends had to watch her deteriorate and suffer unnecessarily. Exactly. 
So okay. it, it has a ripple effect. It does. And like, we didn't even mention about therapy or anything around her. Like my mom, she would never tell her that mm-hmm. she was going or I was going. It was just like, you don't mention that around her at all. Mm-hmm. I hear that a lot. I have a client who I've been seeing for a, well, probably a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And they, to this day, won't go on medication because they're on their parents' um, health insurance. And you know how they wow. send those ex- explanation of benefits. So right. they don't want the parents to know that they're receiving mental health medication. But also, they are completely against ever sharing with their family that they're going to therapy because that family has a very strong faith background and they think of it uh, of therapy and mental health treatment as a waste of money and there's also that whole well you don't have enough faith thing so mm-hmm. it it's definitely can hold some people back it really can definitely mm-hmm. because i know like with her, it was just like, you just don't mention therapy around her. Don't tell her that you're going. Don't say anything about it. Like, especially my grandma. My grandma would be like, make sure you don't say nothing about therapy because you know you're going to get a lecture about it. Mm-hmm. So don't even put yourself in that situation. Yeah. And then I think in, at least in our shared faith, Christianity, there is a angle that sometimes people take where they'll look at mental health challenges as uh, a spiritual battle, right? So like um, somebody dealing with depression, they may think, oh, well, you've got uh, demons or um, Satan has a hold on you because I look at the world in in the four-legged approach of, you know, biopsychosocial, spiritual, you know, being a person who's trained in, the DSM-5, you know, the big purple book of mental disorders. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that if you're describing the symptoms in a church crowd, they would be like, oh, that person's possessed. Say somebody who has um, schizophrenia and deals with psychosis where they hear and see things that aren't there. Mm -hmm. Um, One, you know, if we're looking at it just from that one-legged approach of faith, well, it, it's very clear, oh, well, that's that's a demon, right? But right. it completely neglects the fact that, well, based on science and research, schizophrenia is a chemical imbalance that results in seeing things, hearing things, feeling things that aren't there, um, and completely neglecting the physical and emotional and social elements that also play a role there. Yeah. Definitely, because, like, I've seen that, like, on... Um, you know, different Christian networks, they would have like back in the day, especially they would have those revivals and everything mm-hmm. where, where the people, people fall out. Them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, their demons are coming out of them. And like as a child, sometimes I'd be like, I don't know if that was really mm-hmm. what was going on. In some cases, that could have been what was happening. But mm-hmm. and sometimes even as a young person, I knew I was like, I honestly, I don't think that was really what it was. Yeah. But it's like that was their approach to everything. Everybody mm-hmm. was dealing with a spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you when you approach it that way, it's like something's wrong with that person. Mm. Because they're, they're dealing with, you know, schizophrenia or bipolar or, or even depression. They're like, it's a spirit of depression over you. You yeah. caused it. You did this to yourself. 
the idea yeah. that somehow you've sinned in a way that has brought this upon you. Yes. Life is full of, you know, challenges and problems. That's one of the universal definitely. experiences of being human. So definitely can't be closed-minded about how we approach, you know, different challenges that come our exactly. way. You can't. Mm-hmm. So share about that yes. experience and what, how that kind of uh, evolved your relationship with, you know, between faith and therapy and all of that. Okay. So after my mom passed, um, my grandma had asked me if I wanted to go back to therapy. And I had said no, because I, I thought I was fine. But really what it was, I didn't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I was trying to ignore the fact that she was actually gone. So I kind of just made myself believe that she was still here because towards the end, she was going into the hospital so much mm. that I really didn't see her at home as much. She was always in the hospital. So I had made myself believe that, oh, well, she's just had a long stay at the hospital. And when I got to the algebra class that time in ninth grade, so mm-hmm. that was two years after she had passed mm. that I finally accepted her death. And it was in the middle of algebra. I'll never forget. I'm sitting there and my teacher's writing on the um, smart board. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's really gone. And my classmate looks at me like, what is she talking about? Oh, you and said I it like, out loud. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's like I, I had like I made that connection that she was like it hit me like she was really gone. And so my classmate looked at me like, what is she talking about? And I just started screaming. And then I remember my algebra teacher got like her classroom phone and called. And the um, the school therapist came to the classroom and took me out. And she's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I just kept saying, she's gone. She's gone. And, like, she didn't really know what to do. Like, mm-hmm. all she knew to do was to call my grandma. Yeah. And my grandma came to pick me up. And I was just crying and screaming. And she called my mental, my um, therapist. She mm-hmm. called her. And she got on the phone with me. And she just started talking to me and said, mm-hmm. so how, like, why, why are you saying this? Why are you saying this? And I just said, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Mm. So my grandma actually drove me up to where my counselor was to her office. Mm-hmm. And like, she just let me just have my, like, just let me just go. Cause like everybody else was trying to figure out what was wrong. Like what was I, what I was saying, but she just let me just have my moment. Mm. She didn't say anything. She just let me like scream or whatever. And then after I was done, we just sat there in silence. Mm. Yeah. And then I, I went to um, a hospice camp. So it was a camp for kids that, you know, had lost loved ones. It didn't mm-hmm. have to be a parent, but somebody close to you. Yeah. And um, that camp was amazing. Like you just like wrote your feelings down. You got to be around kids that dealt with similar situations mm-hmm. and talk to them and like do like acting like we made plays and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So that helped me too, being around other kids that kind of dealt with similar situations Mm -hmm. that's awesome that you had that therapeutic relationship established and also that the therapist was so available to like you know take that phone call and to get you seen you know without a priorly scheduled appointment we can always push things down and not deal with them it's actually human nature to avoid something that is painful Right. Um, And so we can push things down and especially folks of color. um, We're kind of culturally conditioned to kind of 
present a, oh, I'm, I'm fine kind of approach and not deal with the emotions as they come along. But it's kind of one of those things like you can like let your house keep getting messy and then you have to do the big spring cleaning and like it takes forever or you can do regular maintenance and like tidy up regularly and then you don't have to sit there every spring and spend days, you know, deep cleaning your house. Right. That's kind of how it is with, um, you know, our our mental health. Same thing with physical health. But it sounds like you had kind of pushed it down for, I guess, in ninth grade, you were 14. 14, yes. And then it so it had been like two to three years since your mom had actually passed and you had Mm kind of just went into that autopilot. Right. Yeah, she had passed um, May, and then I had tr- I turned twelve that next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that next year, that next that next month. So my birthday's in June. Mm-hmm. So she passed like uh, about three weeks before my birthday. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I part of it was me trying to be strong for my grandparents mm-hmm. and my family. I didn't want them to see me upset because I thought then I would upset upset them. Yeah. So I just was like, I can't. I couldn't accept that she was gone. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes into that social, you know, the four-legged chair, right? So that social mm-hmm. component, our relationship. Sometimes we are focusing on those relationships so much that we neglect our emotions, right? Exactly. Hopefully this metaphor is making sense to the listener. Definitely. For me, it makes sense. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. And with us having these three to four parts to balance on at any given time. Mm-hmm. We have, it's kind of like we have habits, right? So our, for some people, the habit might be, oh, let me look at science. Let me see what science says. Or let me see how I feel. Let me be intuitive about it. Let me deal with my emotions in this conflict, right? Some people might be like, I'm going to pray on it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Some people might, the social component, okay, talk with your friends, talk with your, you know, your your closest people and see what they think about it everyone's got like a go-to coping mechanism yeah there's no one way to one straight path to wellness you got to borrow from each of those um supports so true so true because down the line um was it 2019 when my aunt passed um I almost went there again where I was like not accepting of it, but I knew that, okay, I need to go back to therapy Mm -hmm. to talk. Yeah. So having that normalized for me, for me from a young age, Mm -hmm. it made me aware of when I did need to go back. Yeah. Instead of trying to push it off and say, I can handle this myself. Yeah. Yes. Because two, obviously having a second family member pass away from the same illness right it's gonna reactivate what you felt about your mom passing away so not only did you lose your great aunt you're remembering losing your mom all over again so it it almost like grief can be complex in that it magnifies sometimes i've had people who've had like several deaths of people close to them like back to back to back in like a month And then it's like, you can't catch your breath from one before the next one happens. So having those supports in place, like, you know, being able to go to therapy or someone who kind of knows your, your 
story, they can kind of help you connect those dots. Because when you're in the thick of it, you can't always know, oh, well, wait, I'm feeling this way because I still have grief from this past situation and vice versa. So a therapist a lot of times can help you make sense of all the the scramble because at the end of the day your body is in your mind is gonna go to an autopilot state of what feels like it's gonna avoid pain at all costs so sometimes that autopilot gets us stuck in a pattern that's not serving us in the long term that is so true very true yeah yes yeah it was unfortunate though because I wasn't able to go back to the counselor that I had as a child because mm. she only counsels children. Yeah. But um, I, the one that I went to this time around, she's still my therapist. I talk to her when I need to. Mm-hmm. She's actually a pastor. Oh, good. As well. Yes. And I was like, I was like, how? Like, <laughs> That's actually I, my I, next section that I'm going to talk about. But continue sharing about that. Yeah, I was just like, how is she like when I found out? Because like I didn't know she was a pastor like to be like until she told me, like, I think it was like our second session. She mentioned something about it. And I was like, hold on, you're a pastor. Like, I just never would have thought like a therapist would be a pastor at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's just like a taboo thing. Yeah, it's like these two things don't go together. Right. Mm. Like she, she's amazing. That's awesome. Yes. Because from, you know, your shared faith, you can, she can, you know, build rapport with you on a different level. She can not only help you, you know, deal with the emotions and everything like that, but she can help you strengthen that um, spiritual leg to stand on as well because she has the expertise in both areas yes so the the next thing i was gonna share it's great segue i'm glad that you shared that because there's different types of count um just like there's different types of cars to drive there's different types of um if we're thinking about faith there's different ways to worship there's different approaches there's different worldviews and all of that stuff The same thing goes with counseling. So um, there's a couple of different types that relate to this topic. So we've got um, psychotherapy, which is Mm. your, you know, talk therapy, counseling, and looking at how that intersects with um, uh, faith. Um, There are a lot of psychotherapists, counselors, therapists, social workers, some of these terms are used interchangeably, who... Uh, are people of faith, so they have that influence on the type of work that they do. And it's on a spectrum, right? So there's some people who are, you know, psychotherapists who don't let any sort of, like, personal faith experience influence the work that they do. But at the same time, on the other side of the spectrum, you can have a therapist who is influenced by their own faith, I know for me, mm-hmm. I don't market myself as a Christian therapist. I am a therapist who happens to be a Christian. My day-to-day like work that I do, you know, I have a, a question on my paperwork that says, do you have a religion or a faith background that you want to share about? Most of the folks that I work with don't 
say that they really follow anything. And then I have some that are Christians. I have folks who, you know, practice Islam, you know, across the spectrum. Uh But for me, it's not a, oh, well, I only want to, as a therapist, I only want to work with people that are Christian. I, I like cognitive behavioral theory, uh, dialect, dialectical behavioral theory. I'm trained in EMDR, so that's your eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. No, I can't say that 10 times fast. Uh, I, I have a love for the science and the, the research-based approaches, right? But, yes. you know, because I have that parallel where, okay, I know the science, I know the research and all of those backgrounds. I also am a person who follows and lives a faith in my own life, right? So when I get clients yeah. who check on their paperwork that they're Christian and that they, um, it's a big part of their life, I can build rapport with them because we share a common faith. But yeah. it's not necessarily like, oh, well, I'm a Christian and then I get someone who's atheist and I, in therapy, I'm like, oh, well, I must convert them, right? That's not what I do. Right, um, and that's a good thing that you don't... Yeah, because that would be yeah. more harmful than beneficial. But also having... It, it, it's actually... I've been in this field now for like five and a half years. The The interesting thing is that I've had situations where, okay, so I have my faith and someone else is has a strong faith in their own worldview that's different than mine and mm-hmm. i can still build rapport with them on the commonalities right and it really just we're going to go back to that four-legged chair right it's helping them lean into that spiritual leg so if you have something in your life that works for you uh, whether mm-hmm. it be meditation or going to a mosque or temple or church or revival, whatever it may be, lean into that, right? Because that's something that's going to support you in whatever it is that you're going through. In addition to what I can help you learn about cognitive behavioral theory or, um, you know, dealing with traumas and all of that stuff. So the things can magnify each other. So the, the first bullet point, going back to the different types of counseling and how this can intersect, you've got your psychotherapy counseling that can have faith influences and it just really depends on who you get and you know when you're shopping around for a therapist it look and see like is this do they practice from a faith-based standpoint are they more neutral um you can kind of interview them in advance to see if they'll be a good fit for you another type of counseling is called lay counseling And a lot of times you'll see this in churches. So lay counseling is basically a person who is taught to, uh, it's almost like being a peer support type of counseling. Uh, They're Mm -hmm. not often not licensed therapists uh, trained in mental health. It's usually they're trained to help people from a specific uh, viewpoint. So I've been at, I've attended churches before that have, um, lay counseling so it's more so like people are gonna the people who you go to to talk to are gonna kind of talk to you about what you're going through from a more faith-based perspective because that's how they're trained so that's another type so you've got your you know your standard therapy the second one is lay counseling so that's your peer support 
And then another one that relates to what we're talking about now is pastoral counseling. So funny story, Mm -hmm. Tiffany. Not really a funny story. It's an expensive story, but I digress. (laughs) Uh, When I started grad school, I somehow didn't... I was young and dumb. But I attended this university to start my master's and they had me Uh you know how the advisors will say oh yeah do this one this will you know their job is to get you to go to the school they're not really trained in helping you like select the best choices and things like that so right long story short I ended up completing two-thirds of a pastoral counseling degree oh my goodness yes Before I realized that I wasn't going to be able to be a licensed therapist with that degree. Funny enough, when I went to go try to volunteer to get an internship experience with a church lay counseling program, that the person there was like, no, you're on the wrong path. If If that's what you're trying to do, be a licensed therapist, you're not studying the right thing. So I actually literally had to scrap that so I have two-thirds of a pastoral counseling degree and then I had to start from scratch with a professional counseling degree and here's the Uh kicker I had to take the same damn classes again oh my goodness but with a different with with a different code on the front of it so instead of pastoral counseling 101 it was like professional counseling 101 literally the same textbooks um all of that, but because of how, you know, if you're in the wrong track and you don't have the right course numbers or whatever, it does it's not reciprocal. So I had to right. literally do my whole professional counseling degree um, from scratch. But I guess I had the influences, but I was still mad as hell that yeah, I wasted all I that money. Mm-hmm. So oh my for the young people out here, get a second and third opinion from those college advisors because they don't always know what they're talking about. Exactly. Yes. I can definitely attest to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there are a couple of different types of just counseling that kind of intersects with matters of, you can Google it. There are, there are, you can right. find that. And then in addition, there's always types of counseling within the different places of worship. So churches and all of that. That's sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes you'll have like a, like you said, you had a, a licensed therapist that was also a pastor right so sometimes right. like i was shocked by that <laughs> mm-hmm. and then there are you know pastors who have training in pastoral counseling where it's more like a faith-based kind of approach to counseling so um, there's yeah. really a huge spectrum of services that in yeah. in short god or the universe or um, whatever your faith background and worldview may be can work just fine with counseling, doctors, professionals. Yep. It's not one or the other. That's that's basically the gist of what we've been talking about today. Definitely. It's not all or nothing. Definitely. So uh, before we go, tell the listeners where they can find you. I want to kind of hand the mic to you where they can find your podcast and stuff like that. So kind of share that information. And I'll also be sure to include everything uh, in this episode show notes so that you can find it there as well, listeners. Okay, great. Thank you for extending this opportunity to me. I really appreciate you reaching out and having me on this episode. No problem. It's definitely an honor. 
Um, you can find me on Instagram. the The podcast page is Truth Talks Tiff, and then I also have a, a website, TruthTalksWithTiff.com. And I recently started a Facebook page, and it's Truth Talks Tiff on Facebook, and also Truth Talks Tiff on Twitter. The awesome. podcast is on Apple, iHeart, um, Spotify. Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts. Yes. Awesome. Truth talks with Tiff. Okay, and I'll find the link to the one the episode that I talked about in the beginning, the one where you talked about mental health, uh, and I'll put that in the show notes as well, so that they can kind of sample um, what your podcast is like. Awesome. All right. And I'm not a mental health professional, so I do give that disclaimer. Mm Hmm. Yes. We're going to wrap up here, but stay on the line, um, and I'll chat with you a little bit more. But thank you for taking the time to talk with uh, our listeners today. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast, and best of all, it's free. They offer creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Did I mention that you can make money from your podcast no matter the size of your following? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee. The link is in this episode's show notes. Thanks in advance.